We're going to continue uh, this particular series of, of teachings on drawing nigh to the Most High. That's not just a, a cute title that rhymes. It's something that God is saying to the church today, to you and me and anyone who will heed and listen. It's crucial in the time of the falling away to get close and stay close to God. When so many are going back, it's crucial to get close and stay close to God. Amen. It's crucial to examine our own hearts and see if there be anything keeping us from getting close to God. You know, a lot of people try to find how far can I push the envelope and still call myself a Christian? How far can I push that envelope and still claim the blessings that God has promised and provided me in his word? Instead of saying, how close can I get to the Lord? Can you say, man, how close can I live to him? So in this day, when the falling away has begun, and I do believe with all of my heart it's begun, the Bible said that day, that day when the son of perdition is revealed, when the Antichrist is revealed and the tribulation period begins, that day shall not come until there come a falling away first. And I think it's kind of crept up on us because for years we looked at the signs outside the church to indicate the day of the Lord's hastening and coming. We looked at signs in the outside the church and we looked at signs of wars and rumors and that's true, said it would occur. We looked at signs of, of distress of nations with perplexity. That's a sign. But as Doug so very accurately put it on our website, the great sign when they ask, these might be the most spectacular things, you know, earthquakes and, and tidal waves and all these kind of things that's going on among the nations and wars and rumors. But, but deception would be one of the key elements of the end time many false prophets shall go out into the earth in the same context of the wars and rumors and earthquakes in divers places is many false prophets shall go out into the earth and deceive many and here's why the falling away occurs and because iniquity shall abound because we do not present our bodies holy and acceptable unto the lord we do, we, we do not do that. The love of many waxes cold. And when love for God begins to wane, then the devotion goes with it. You can't have devotion to God without love for God. And if any man love the world, then the love of the Father and the love for the Father is not in him. You can't serve to masters, the scripture said. It's, it's spiritually and, and practically impossible. So the Bible calls this falling away an apostasy. That's what it's called, apostasy. And it means the rejection of Christianity by someone who formerly was a Christian. It comes from the Greek apostasia, meaning defection, departure, revolt, or rebellion. It has been described as a willful falling away or rebellion against Christianity. The Greek verb means to depart, to fall away. 
in Luke chapter 8 and verse 13, it said, They that are on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. And when, but, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in the time of temptation or testing fall away. This is the explanation of the seed that fell on the highway, the stony ground. There's no root system. When the sun came up, he said, they, they've, they're scorched, they fall away, they have no root. See, without the real devotion to Christ, without a real love for God, there's no root system in our life. We're not rooted and built up in him. We're not rooted and grounded in love in the first place. For years I have preached that people need to rekindle the first love. But I'm discovering in the last days that we are in now that a lot of people have never truly been saved in the first place. And they can't rekindle the love that was never kindled in the first place. Amen. Anyone who's ever loved him can return to your first love. But if you've never really come to Christ, that's, that, you can't rekindle what was never kindled. And if you listen to our website, if you listen to, to the teaching that we're doing right now, the tares among the wheat, the, the uh, uh, enemies of the cross... You hear that term, you think of Madeline Murray O'Hare, you think of, of atheism, you think of Marxism and communism and, and, and the, the, the Muslim, commu Muslim community, the, the extremists that hate the followers of the cross. Amen. And that's what we're called as Christian followers of the cross. When the 20 Coptic Christians were killed and you saw the picture of them lined up. Each one had a man standing with a knife behind each one of the 20. They were killing them because when they came to take them, all they were trying to do is find work to help their families in this war-torn uh, area. They had come down into that area, but they came into the building and said, where are the followers of the cross? Where are the Christians in here? And those 20 gave their life for their testimony in Jesus Christ. That's devotion. That's devotion. That's devotion. And my, my contention is if they loved him enough to die for him, we should love him enough in America to live for him. Can you say amen? This kind of lackadocious uh, uh, no big deal attitude, no real deep devotion to follow him. This is unacceptable. That's not how you serve God. That's not how you demonstrate the Christian faith. The Christian faith was based on a devotion to Jesus Christ, a deep and abiding devotion. So if they died for him, why can't we live for him here? We're not asked to do that. See, some seed fell on the highway and the enemy came and got it. Some fell on stony ground and this stony ground, it said when temptation comes, when testings come, they fall away, they fall away, they fall away. And that's why the great falling away is here. And in this time of the great falling away, God's message is to come near. I'm going to read it again. We're reading different ones, but I want to read it once again from Hebrews 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near. Let us draw near 
What, what, what a contrast in the day of the falling away. And God is calling you and me to come close to him. There's some people going to walk out of here in every, every congregation. Some people will walk out of here and you won't know they're a Christian from Monday through Saturday. The only way that you would dare think they were Christian is to see them going to a church or a church service on Sunday morning. Monday through Saturday, they blend with the world. And you can't tell any difference. Their values match the world. They fit in with the world. The world has no problem with them in their faith because their faith is not based on a true, deep devotion to Jesus Christ. They haven't offered their body a living sacrifice. Holy, which means sanctification and holy, is to... Two very similar phrases. Actually, when you're sanctified, it leaves you holy. You, You can't get holy without getting sanctified because sanctification means cleansed and set apart for a holy purpose. Amen. And God wants to sanctify his church. And he does it. Part of it is through the word of God. Word of God. He loved the church, gave himself for it that he might cleanse it. That he might, what? Not just save it, but cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it unto himself in a way that we could never present ourselves unto him. A glorious church, not having any spot or any blemish or any wrinkle or any such thing, but that it might be holy. Holiness is the unalterable standard for God's people. There is, no, there, there is no lower standard. Be ye holy, you that bear the vessels of the Lord. Be ye holy as I am holy. And it doesn't mean self-righteous, and it doesn't mean sinlessly perfect. It means what sanctification operates and does in our life. Cleansed by the blood and the washing of water by the what? By the word. Now you're clean, he said in John 15, through the word that I have spoken unto you. You know what the word does? It cuts, it cuts, it prunes, it, it convicts, amen. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. I've often said one sword is for the devil, amen, as an aggressive weapon. Another sword is for us to prune us and purge us that we might be the people that God wants us to be. Can you say, man, everybody say sanctified, cleansed and set apart initially by the blood of Jesus, but progressively through the word of God. Hallelujah. Through the washing of water by the word, we are cleansed. Hallelujah. Set apart unto God for his holy purpose. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me, let me finish reading this because it's going to talk about that cleansing. Let us draw near with a true heart, Hebrews 10, 22, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Our bodies washed with pure water. I like the paraphrase. It's to let us go right into the presence of God. With sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. 
Hallelujah. That's not just baptism. This, this, this is the work of the word in the life of a believer. Now, Christ said, you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. Hallelujah. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly, I, no one could stand before God without forgiveness. And it's not just a one-time thing. It, it's something we're to pray as the pattern prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them. It's contingent on us forgiving others. But forgiveness is part and parcel of the Christian life. And you'll never be so perfect you don't need it. What keeps so many people from walking in that sanctified life is that they do not seek forgiveness quickly. They do not go to God when they should go to God. The devil uses the guilt against them to keep them out of the presence of God, to disqualify them from believing that God is going to hear them when they pray. Amen. He, the, the same one who tempts us to do something wrong, to say something wrong, to get a wrong activity or attitude, is the same one that points his finger at us when we do that. Amen. But God is saying, I want you to come to me. I don't, I don't want you to. What happened when guilt came into Adam? He hid himself from the Lord. Can you say, man, the, the devil's tactic, he didn't want him to get forgiven. He didn't want him to know that, yes, there's a consequence to your sin, but God still loves you. There's a consequence to your sin, but God's not going to abandon you. In fact, God is going to make a provision for your guilt and shame. He's, he didn't even know he was naked until he sinned and have a consciousness of all of this stuff. And, and then he's, he, what does God do? What does God do? Instead of coming to beat him over the head and tell him how messed up he is, what does God do? The first blood that was shed is when God slayed an animal and took the skin and brought it to Adam to cover himself. Forget the fig leaf. Amen. You ever seen Adam with a fig leaf? <laughs> he might have had that before he sinned, but after he sinned, it was a blood sacrifice that covered him. Can you say amen? Yeah, I know. I know. When you two, we're going to separate these two ladies right here. Amen. We just have to separate them. Keep them separate. No, I'm kidding. I'm glad you got joy today. I saw you worshiping today. Hallelujah. God provided. God provides the lamb. God provides the blood sacrifice so that we can, the shame of our nakedness would not appear. Can you say, man, God provides the wedding garment. God provides the righteous robe. Hallelujah. We didn't just get our sin forgiven. We got his innocence imparted to us. Amen. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness that comes by keeping the law. And we're supposed to walk in obedience to God. Don't get me wrong here. But that will never be enough in itself because you can't do it perfectly. No one can. But a perfect sacrifice was offered in your behalf. Perfect blood was shed for you and shed for me. Can you say, man, and the Bible said there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. When I first read that, I thought, God feared because he's so forgiving. 
looked like it'd make us want to get close to him. But he's so, so gracious and so merciful. But, but that's before I understood what the fear of the Lord truly is in the Old Testament Hebrew. It means deep devotion. Everybody say deep devotion. With awe and affection. Isn't that a, when you see the fear of the Lord, it's not the dread of God. Oh, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. If you don't know him as your savior, then you will have to deal with him as your judge. And that's a, a, a thought that is beyond any horror or terror to hear him say, depart from me. You that work iniquity, I never knew you. That's an eternal sentence that is given. I don't know if you... I, I, I don't think anyone can appreciate salvation until you understand the alternative. Truly appreciate what you've been saved from. Amen. It's not just about going to heaven. It's about escaping hell. And I'm going to tell you, to escape hell, I don't, I, I don't care if the street, I don't care if the gates are carved out of pearl or, or they're, they're some old rusty, creaky gate. Just let me come in it. Can you say amen? I wouldn't care if it's made out of wood. No, I wouldn't care if in, I wouldn't care if they had a single wide up there, seventy foot long, with a bath and a half, so, so I can shave while Pamela's in the bathroom. Amen. I'm glad to not be going to hell today. I'm glad I'm saved today. Ain't nobody, I, nobody's so important out there in this world that I've got to please or fit in with, amen, that is more important than my salvation and the Savior that saved me. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's a falling away and there's a God calling us to come near. So there's forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be revered, that thou mayest be feared with deep devotion, with affection. Praise God. Hallelujah. I love that paraphrase. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. Sin enslaves and forgiveness frees. I'm going to read you this little story. I, I think it's a good story. It reminds me of Big Patricia. When I went over to her house, she's my cousin. She's Big Patricia. She's bigger than all us boys, stronger than all us boys. She could whoop all of us boys. Kind of like Big Cherie. Give me fist bump. Redheaded, freckles. I went over, I went in the chicken enclosure wasn't supposed to big rooster in there he was a bad rooster and I remember just a child myself that rooster come at me those spurs he will he will cut your legs with those spurs and I'm wearing short pants and I'm I'm in that chicken coop and he chased me and I ran out of the chicken coop, didn't close the door because I didn't want that rooster to get me. And he chased me almost all the way to my dad's, which was, you know, about two blocks away. And and I kept looking back, and that rooster kept coming. And so I outrun the rooster, but I let the chickens out. I let the chickens out. And my, my I guess you would call her a great aunt or whatever somehow, another because Patty was a distant cousin, uh, 
anyway, big Patricia said, I'm going to tell your daddy because she had to chase all them chickens down and put them all back in the coop. And she was mad at me. And, and, and I, I'm, when your daddy gets home, I'm going to tell him what you did. I'm going to tell him what you did. And I thought, oh, Lord. My daddy got home from work. I remember him driving in. I'm on all that guilt and anticipation of, of chastisement or whatever. I mean, back then they didn't, uh, you know, revoke your, they didn't take your cell phone for a day. Something called hickory tea. They called it hickory tea, and it wasn't something to make you sleep. It was a hickory switch is what it was. If they, But they didn't have hickory here, but my dad found good ones. Amen. Go, go cut me a limb, he would say. Go cut me a limb. I thought it's bad enough you're going to whoop me. I got to go pick the thing. And first I thought, this is, this is good. I'm going to get, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get one that, you know, it's kind of like a wet noodle. You know, I'm going to get me something that don't hurt. And then he went and got something bigger than, you know, than anyway. He took care of business. It's amazing. My dad was such a sweet, easygoing fella. Hard to believe he did what he did to me. But he did. And it didn't really hurt me. It helped me in the long run. No chastening for present. Anyway, when he drove up, I went inside and I looked out the screen door and here came big Patricia and I knew she's going to tell him what I did. And I went ahead and I said, dad, I got to tell you what I did. And I told him what I did. And when she come in the door, I looked at her and she started telling him what I did. And he looked back at her. He said, he's already told me, Patty. And I don't like tattletale. The devil is an accuser of the brethren that accuses them before God day and night. Your conscience has been put there so God could convict you. He lighteth every man that comes into the world. Every person is given, given a conscience. Every single person. And God and only God knows to what degree you follow the truth that you have place within you there's no place there's no tribe there's no group of people anywhere in the in in the entire globe that doesn't have a conscience granted them and if you want to know how the judgment is going to how they're going to fare at the judgment there's going to be based on what they knew the bible said to know to do good and do it not to him it is sin so we can't just keep pleading ignorance because we have a conscience I didn't know it was wrong to kill and eat this fellow over here. Some tribe says, yeah, you did. You overrode a conscience and you will answer for that. It's important. We can't, we can't see that. We don't know to what degree someone is accountable, but God indeed does. And the conscience is put there so that he can he can appeal to it as well when the gospel is preached, when the gospel is declared, so that he can convict us. And something was going to happen in the last days that said their conscience 
would be cauterized. Their conscience would be seared as a hot iron. God, See, when God turns them over to a reprobate mind, it's not because he's still not willing to save them or he's reached the end of his mercy. There is no end to his mercy. There is no end to his grace. Can you say, man? It means that the conscience has been calloused so many times by pushing the light away, pushing back the truth until there is no no way to save them because they will not come. He doesn't give up. He lets them go their own way because he can't convict them. They can't come. And no man cometh to me except my father is able to do what? Draw him. Can you say, man, when the conscience is seared, then the Holy Spirit can't convict, cannot draw. And every time that the light of truth shines to someone and they choose the darkness over the light, it's like a callous on the heart, another callous on the heart, another callous on the heart. I went to my stepdad when he, he was, had a, a major heart attack and I wept over him, told him how much God loved him, asked him to come to Christ, and he flatly refused. He had another one two or three years later, a real bad one. And I went to him again, weeping, weeping, begging him to come to Jesus. And he flatly refused. It's a hard thing to walk away from someone who keeps hardening their heart when they're offered a free gift of mercy and grace. When the conscience becomes seared, then there is no conviction. So if you think God is, is coming to the end of his patience, God is coming to the end of his mercy, and God is saying, now I'm going to just turn them over. No, God is saying, I can't save them. I have no choice. Do you understand that? I have no choice. It's not his will that any perish, but that all come to repentance, that all have eternal life. Can you say, man, but the conscience can be deadened and the conscience can be seared. And then people can sin without any sense of conviction. Thank God for conviction. It's not comfortable to be convicted. But it's a positive thing when it occurs. When I've done something wrong and God convicts my heart of that, I can't rest until I get it under the blood of Jesus. I want to run to the cross. I want to run to Christ for forgiveness. I don't want to give the devil that leverage over me. Can you say, man? Now, since I defeated big Patricia's intention of telling on me by telling on myself, amen, let me read you this true story. Everybody says sin enslaves, but forgiveness frees. A little boy visiting his grandparents and given his first slingshot. He practiced in the woods, but he could never hit his target. He came back to grandma's backyard. He spied her pet duck. And on an impulse, he took aim and let fly the stone hit and the duck fell dead. The boy panicked. Desperately, he hid the dead duck in the woodpile. 
only to look up and see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, remember the duck? So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Again, she whispered, remember the duck. Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, finally he couldn't stand it. He confessed to Grandma that he killed the duck. I know, Johnny, she said, giving him a hug. I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. But I love you, and I forgive you. I wondered how long you would let Sally make a slave out of you. Amen. Isn't it? You know, I don't, I don't know why repentance and confessing our sins has got such a negative spin on it. I don't know why Christians even hesitate. Amen. When the Bible said if we say we have no sin, we lie. We're, dis- we're not just disingenuous. We are lying. This is so far from the truth. It's a flat out lie. We lie and do not the truth. But if we confess our sin, let me make it clear. Let not sin reign in your mortal body. Amen. Sin is not supposed to be the reigning in our body. Christ is supposed to be the Lord. Righteousness is supposed to be reigning. But at our best, there will be times when we need to confess an activity or an attitude that was wrong and the conscience is pricked. We need to run to God. Because if we confess our sin, he's not just faithful to forgive it. He's faithful and just to forgive it. He's justified. In forgiving it because Jesus has paid on the cross for that sin to be forgiven. Not just the sin that we committed in the past, but any sin that we commit in the future. Jesus has paid for that sin. But the blood that's been supplied has to be applied. And when we come to Christ and we repent and we ask for forgiveness... That's how the blood is applied to our heart and to our life. It is so good to to be able to lay my head down without guilt and without shame. Amen. To anticipate the coming of the Lord. To not hide from God, but to draw near to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me tell you how, how, just how, how wonderfully God has forgiven our sins. He's put it out of sight. He's put it out of mind. He's put it out of reach. And he's put it out of existence. I want you to say out of sight, out of mind, out of reach, and out of existence. Now, I'm going to read you these scriptures before we go home today. First, out of sight. Isaiah 38 in verse 17. This is how he deals with sin. Behold, for peace I have great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind my back. 
Everybody say out of sight. <laughs> That's pretty good saying, isn't it? Out of, that is out of sight. I mean, it's out of sight and it's really out of sight. Isn't it good? To know He will cast your sin behind your back. He won't hold it over you. He won't constantly confront you with it. He will cast it out of sight. Listen again. I love that scripture. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness. But thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind my back. Glory be to God. Jeremiah 31, verse 34 says, he's cast it out of mind. It said, and they, Jeremiah 31, 34, it says, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Hallelujah. If it's out of God's sight, then you quit looking at it. If it's out of God's mind, then you quit remembering it. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. Amen. He says, if, even if your conscience is still gnawing on you, because the devil is trying to create guilt in you when God wants you to be totally free and forgiven. He don't want you to be a slave to sin or to guilt any longer. He wants you to draw near with a clear conscience. Hallelujah. The devil's afraid we're going to draw near to God because he knows what's going to happen. Draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. Return to me and I'll return to you. He's just waiting for his people to draw near to him again. To get back and get their prayer life back. To get their praise life back. To get their faith life back. To get their love life back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Out of sight. Out of mind. Out of reach. Micah 7 verse 19. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. And he will cast all their sins into the depth of the sea. Hallelujah. Everybody say the depth of the sea. That means the deepest part of the ocean. Someone put it this way after reading that scripture. They said, you know, I had a vision. I heard it was, I couldn't see but I could hear I was on the seashore and I was transported out into the middle of the ocean, the deepest part of the sea. And I could hear plop, plop, plop. And I could hear kersplash, kersplash, kersplash. And I could hear like a pebble. I said, Lord, what is this? He said, this is what I'm doing with your sin when you repent. When anyone sin, when they repent. Big ones make the little sound. Mid-sized sins make a bigger sound. And the biggest of sins make the biggest sound. But they all f sink to the bottom to rise to the top no more. That's how completely God deals with sin. I will cast them into the midst of the sea.
can you say amen? Isn't that your good news message this morning? Hallelujah. What sin are you talking about? Praise God. If you go talking to him about, listen, if it's out of his sight and it's out of his mind, it's cast into the midst of the sea of forgetfulness. Their sins will I what? Remember no more. If you go to talk to him about that sin that you confessed, you know what he's going to say to you? What sin are you talking about? I love the woman that uh, was meeting a friend after many, many years, and there was another friend that had hurt them both very deeply. And she said, oh, I saw sister so-and-so the other day. Uh, you remember? Do you remember what, uh, what, what she said? Uh, uh, anyways, trying to bring up all that junk and all that trash. And she said, no, I distinctly remember forgetting that. I distinctly remember forgetting that. Hallelujah. God says, your sin can be put out of my sight, can be put behind your back. It can be put where it can't resurface. It can be put out of reach. I will cast their sins into the depths of the sea, the deepest part of the sea. And then out of existence... Isaiah 43, verse 25. By the way, this is quoted in the New Covenant as well. Amen. From the Old Covenant. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. Their sin will I remember no more. Hallelujah. That means they're gone and they're gone forever. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You that were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Sin is a separator from God. We were far off, far away, without God, without hope, until Jesus' death on the cross made it possible to be forgiven and reconciled to God. This word reconcile or reconciliation is one of those forensic terms in Scripture in the New Covenant. It's from the root means to change in reference to God and man. The enmity is removed. Fellowship is restored. We are no longer enemies, but now we are friends. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be a friend of God? Hallelujah. Listen to Romans 5 and verse 10. I've got to hurry. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Romans 5 verse 10. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I like the paraphrase. It said, now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us friends with God. Hallelujah. Since we're brought near by the blood of Jesus, we should draw near. Amen. Does that make sense to you? Since we've been brought near by the blood of Christ, we should draw near. We should have the heart to draw near to him. 
Amen. Ephesians 2 and verse 18, as we close, it said, For through him we both, speaking of Jew and Gentile, Ephesians 2, 18, For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. We both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Access to God the Father through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Access means we who have faith in Christ have the freedom and right to approach our Heavenly Father with confidence that we will be accepted, loved, and welcomed. We have been brought near by Jesus. We have access to our Heavenly Father, but only we, me and you, can draw near. Only you have access to God. But only you can take the time to seek him. Take the time to get in the word and let the, let the word of God cleanse your, your attitudes and cleanse your heart by the washing of water, by the word. He brings his church into that state of sanctification that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not a beaten, battered, beleaguered, defeated, defiled church that sin and Satan is running roughshod and reigning. No, a church that's living in the victory that the blood of Jesus has provided for every child of God. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sin enslaves. <laughs> but forgiveness frees. Forgiveness frees. Go and sin no more is the words of Jesus. You're free from condemnation. You're free from guilt. You're free from fear. You're free from judgment because you have been forgiven. Neither do I condemn thee. Praise God. If you can bring that menu back up again, we're going to close with a song. How many people want to purpose in your heart this morning since we have access with confidence and we have God's word telling us, let's draw near. Let us draw near to him. How many know that you could do something this week in that area of drawing near to God? Is there something you could take some time at just worship time? It's all part of it. Just time to worship. You could take time to just read and, and, and get, in, get in parts of the Bible that don't confuse you. Can you say, man, don't, don't just go and meet, don't just read, you know, just anywhere. But pick some, go to the Psalms and just, 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 just read a little while. And then just stop and selah a little while. And then worship for a little while. I heard, heard my wife had a song on worshiping uh, this morning. And I, I heard that worship coming up to the Lord. And I said, yeah, that's drawing nigh to God this morning. Before we even get to church, we're drawing nigh to God. On the way to church, we're praying praise music and drawing nigh to God. Can you say man? Hallelujah. So right here, please. Amen. Hallelujah. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank God we've been set free to serve. Not set free to do anything we want to do, but set free to serve Him. Hallelujah. And I want to serve Him like I've never served Him. Hallelujah. And in this last day, in the beginning of sorrows and the beginning of the falling away, I want to draw near 
Hallelujah. And get closer to him than I've ever been in all of my life. Not just because I'm 72 and I don't have that many more years, if any. Three score and ten is given to man. Didn't guarantee no further. So, you know, any time. I could go home, but I'm not going till he calls me. I'm in no hurry to get there. I'm going to be there for eternity. Heaven, amen. Just want to make it clear, you know. (laughs) I mean, not that it's not going to be better there than here, but it won't be better for my wife. It won't be better for my son that I have left. And it won't be better for you guys because I won't be here. Challenge you to draw near to God this morning. Are you glad I'm here challenging you to draw near to the Lord today? Well, that, I feel free. I feel free from condemnation. I, my conscience isn't accusing me. My God isn't accusing me. And the people that accuse me can forget about it. If my conscience don't accuse me and my God don't accuse me, what more shall we say to these things? Amen. What more? It's a drop the mic moment if God be for us. Is he for us? Yes, he is. Who can be against us? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit. That's not people that's using the grace of God as a cloak for their sinfulness and their iniquity. This is somebody who's truly gotten right with God. They're listening to and following the promptings of the Holy Spirit instead of the promptings of their old sinful flesh. Amen. There's no condemnation when when the Spirit of God is able to draw you and able to convict you and able to speak to you. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that's how it feels to be free. 